You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Isaiah chapter 61. Now Luke reported that Jesus stood up to speak one day, and he found this place in Isaiah, and he began to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. How do you believe that as a son of God, you are a co-heir with Christ? Five hands here. Okay, we got more. You say that I am a co-heir. A co-heir means equal. It's not like he is the main heir and then we get some of it as the other heirs. He is the heir. He inherited all things. And you and I are now the body of Christ. It's no longer I lives. It is Christ who lives in me. That means you and I are the voices of Christ. If Jesus is going to heal anybody today, he's still going to put his hands on them. But it's going to be your hands. So when you put your hands on him, it's just the same, exactly the same, equivalent to Jesus putting the hands. That woman with the issue of blood said, if I can touch his garment, too many people still see themselves as the woman needing to touch Jesus. You need to start seeing yourself as the one wearing the garment that others need to touch. You are the body of Christ. Now the reason I'm saying all of this is as I read through here, Whatever Jesus says about himself, you say, me too. The word says it is a mirror. When you look in the mirror, you don't see another person. You see your image, your reflection. When you look into the word of God, God reflects back at you who you are. The difference is in the natural, you can see things in there that are there and they're on your face or whatever. And whether you like it or not, it's there. But in the realm of the Spirit, God's not looking at who you think you are. He shows you in the mirror the way He sees you. So when this reflects back at you, whenever you see Jesus, knowing that Christ who lives in you, you're a co-heir, equal heir, you have every right to say, me too. I want that to settle in you. So as we read this, the Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me. Me too. I pray this prayer every time I get up here to speak. Because Jesus said, I do the same works he did and greater. Well, the only way I'm going to do the same works if I claim the same anointing. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? He's anointed me. To preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he said today... The scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. Now, when I go through that list, 
I see a bunch of very positive things. I see here broken hearted who are healed. So healing is better than broken hearted. Broken heart is under the curse. Healing is your blessing. I see a liberty to the captives. Captive, bad, liberty, good. Let me say amen. amen. Opening the prison to those who are bound. Okay, which one's on the bad side? They would be bound. Amen. Being set free, liberation. That's good. Well, just before that, he said, preach good tidings to the poor. What's good news for a poor man? Well, you know, after all those lists, the, the, the brokenhearted can be healed, the captives can be set free, the bound can be loosened. But the poor, just remember, as long as you're serving Jesus, just hang in there. Because one day when you get to glory, there's a mansion waiting for you in the sky. But in the meantime, you can be healed, you can be set free, you can be delivered. Does that even make sense? Jesus is reading the scripture with a clear line of what is curse and what is blessing. So where's the prison? Which side? Where's the brokenhearted? Where's the sick? Where's the poor? You getting this? I had someone once challenge me on that. You tell, they said, you're telling me poor people are cursed? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Poverty does not define you. You don't get poor people. You get people who are poor at the moment. The spirit of poverty is a demonic spirit and it is a curse. No doubt about it. And Jesus said he came to bring good tidings to the poor. And he closes the book. Now, if you notice, when you read it here, look at verse, three, uh, verse 2 again. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What's your next word? What's your next word? Isaiah wasn't finished. But Jesus closed the book. Now close the book mid-sentence. Have you understand when Jesus closed the book, he wasn't saying full stop. He said today, this moment, as I stand in front of you, what I just read to you is now, right now, in me being fulfilled. But remember he said to the disciples, what I have to tell you, you can't handle right now. Because only when I go, then I can send the Holy Spirit. And he will tell you things that he has heard. I can't tell you. Using my natural English language or whichever language he was using at the time to talk to them in, using a limited human language, I cannot tell you using earthly words to describe heavenly things. 
So at the moment, we have to pause. I'm going to demonstrate everything up till now. I'm going to show you the kingdom. I'm going to show you how a son should live. He came as a man, not as God. He is God, God with us. But when he came, Philip, uh, the word says that he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all of his godly powers. He came as a man in the likeness of man. And then Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus. Jesus? The man. The one born, the one raised, the one that lives in the earth. Jesus, the man that came from Nazareth, the human. God anointed the human with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing. All who were sick and oppressed the devil. Why? For he was God. No, he was, God was with him. Who God? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. How am you born again? Say this. As a born again child of God, I have the same Holy Spirit in me. Jesus didn't get type A Holy Spirit and you got type B. Exactly the same Holy Spirit that went into power when God said, let there be light and created an entire universe. Get a hold of that. Universe creative power resides right there in your chair where you're sitting. Well, what caused the Holy Spirit to move? Well, Pastor Wellington taught us that this morning. It was the spoken word. The spoken word. So God has prepared for his children to live a kingdom lifestyle. But he could not put it in the disciples. He could only demonstrate it. As a son of God anointed, you notice with Jesus, wherever he went, there was never lack. Sickness could not stand in his midst. Demons started freaking out. No one, anything that was part of the curse could not stand in the presence of that anointing. And Jesus says, that's what's happening. When you see these things happening, I want you to know it's the anointing that's doing that. This is fulfilled in your hearing. But right now we have to pause on the end. Because my body as a whole is not ready. But after preparing the way, giving his life to die, removing sin, so that whoever believes that and calls on his name will be born again. And now every sin removed, the Holy Spirit can dwell within you as much as he dwells within Jesus. Now you can hit play again and say, and... Because Isaiah wasn't done. This is what the anointing does. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. The day of vengeance. Everybody say vengeance. It's not revenge. See, human flesh, you hurt me, I'll hurt you more. Isn't that human flesh? Someone says something ugly to us, we want to slap them. 
Not here. That's what the flesh wants to do. Did I call any names? That's what flesh does. That, it's not revenge. See, that's where people misunderstand. It's like, you know, even when we find out, okay, the battle is the Lord's, the victory is of mine, and God says, you know, I will fight on your behalf, and, and, and vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's like we step back, okay, Lord, get him. It's like, like we mean, you know, <laughs> hit him with a bolt of lightning. <laughs> and Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are. No, vengeance is executing justice. Even there, we think of something bad. Someone's done something bad, they've got to pay in prison. No, justice is causing what is right to manifest. Right prevails. Right prevails. You have been made the righteousness of God. Now that righteousness must manifest. And that manifestation, the curse is doing everything it can to suppress that. And the way he does it is first of all by stealing the word. Try to get that word out. As long as he can get the word and keep you out of the word, you'll never get to the full recognition and realization of what God has prepared for us. But even if someone says, okay, well, you know, uh, I still want to be a Christian. I still want to, you know, believe God and go to heaven one day. Then he'll start piling all kinds of religion on you to shut down and be afraid of what God has prepared for you. And use things like vows of poverty. You never know what God's going to do. If it's your will, Lord. Maybe God's trying to teach me a lesson through this hardship. We come up with all kinds of cute things because we can't explain why this is going wrong as much as I love God. And yet vengeance is waiting. Because vengeance will make sure that when you call in a court of law for what is right, the judge will execute rightness according to the law. God's law is his word. That's what's right. Someone dares to stand up in the courts of heaven and say, I'm calling on what's right. God will execute vengeance. Meaning, if anyone stands in the way of that being brought to pass, they will be removed out the way. Those that call on it will see it manifest. But you have to know your rights. You have to believe your rights. Otherwise, they just lie there dormant. And this week, that's what we're wanting to do. Is provoke you to recognize your rights. Say, my rights. It's to comfort those who mourn. Listen to this. To console those who mourn in Zion. Now, prophetically speaking, Zion's talking about the church. To give them beauty for ashes. Now, you understand that when God spoke, he would speak to the children of Israel. But we're talking in types and shadows. There are certain things that are unique to Israel at that time, for that moment, for them. 
But everything, all the feasts, what happened, you know the whole story, the, the account of when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, crossed the wilderness into the promised land. We all understand that to be tops and shadows. There was a real Egypt. There was a real Pharaoh. There was a real Moses. There was real, you understand that? But we know Egypt's a type of the? There are three students here. Are you all new? Egypt's a type of the? And Moses is a type of delivering us, going through the Red Sea, a type of baptism. Come on. Going through the wilderness. You notice in the wilderness, there's full provision. Manna, water, quail. You need nothing. There's total Sabbath, rest. God's got this. Doesn't matter how dry it is out there, he's got it. Delivering us into a land of milk and honey. Living in houses you've not built, drinking from wells you've not dug. Tops and shadows. So as you read through this, this is a prophetical word Jesus said. This is now fulfilled in your hearing. So now that's part A. Now we're heading into part B. And yeah, he talks about giving beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. Now you couldn't be righteous until Jesus had died and raised from the dead. So this is now in the modern church. This is the post-cross church. Those who are righteous can say, this is mine. Say, this is mine. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Family of God, South Africa, and this could be for any nation, but I'm specifically speaking from South Africa today, has been destroyed, generations destroyed because of the evil of what Satan brought through a system. Many, many generations lost out on so much, but God is not a God that will be mocked. Those generations that prayed and sowed their seed and said, there is a victory. We will come out of this. They may have even died like Abraham died knowing he's the father of many nations. He never saw all of us, but we still manifested because he, contained, he maintained his confession. I am the father of many nations. Many of your fathers and mothers have given them their lives. Generations, grandparents, great-grandparents died in poverty and agony, but said there is a better life. And God has heard those cries and he's saying, now is the time that the church stands up and believes me. And you are that generation that will repair cities, repair governments, repair systems, repair. It is time for the church to arise and say, we are that generation that are not ashamed about going into the promised land and getting it back. I don't care what giants in our way. We will restore all. God's looking for those people. You understand 
That when the children of Israel went in and the first bunch of spies went in and they had a look at, at what was there, they had the promise of God. They were the ones that saw the Red Sea open. Give me a break. And then they see these giants. and <laughs> They look like grasshoppers in their sight and so they are in ours. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. God couldn't work with that. How am I supposed to take grasshoppers to go and fight giants? So I can't let you go in. You'll be wiped out. I'm looking for a generation that can look at the walls of Jericho and don't care how fortified it is, how big it is. If God said it's ours, we will walk around that city and we will shout until those walls come down. We're not backing down from a fight. And this isn't for little mealy mouth, you know, sneaking, quiet. Are you sure? I don't know. No, this is the people that know how to shout a shout. A shout that is beyond a natural shout. That is a supernatural shout that will shake foundations to cause a wall to sink in the ground. Do we have such a people here? People bring me articles. Have you read this? Give me a break. There's nothing new under the sun. Trying to get me afraid of my inheritance. Oh, I know where I stand. I've said it before. I'll say it right here. The reason why we struggle with things, when people, oh, I just don't see it. I don't like that preacher. I don't like what he says. It was that message. The reason you're bumping up against that is because of that person they, I'm not saying you, 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 that person. It's their unbelief. Your unbelief is getting challenged by a truth. Instead of shouting and screaming and slamming the door as you walk out, sit down for a little while, listen to what I've got to say, let me speak to you, and then at the end, if I've said anything that's not in the Bible, come talk to me. But if I'm talking word, if it's the Bible, and you call yourself a Christian, you're obligated to change the way you think. I don't care what granny said. With all due respect to your granny. My parents also did not. They, they, my mom loved God, and her grandmother was also a child of God. But they believed things that were not accurate. But praise God, we have the truth. And so we're obligated to it. Amen. So, if you hear something that you're uncomfortable with, just make a decision. All scriptures have been given for instruction, reproof, and correction. Then I'm obligated. Let me renew my mind and let's find out what God is saying. Because I'm not ashamed. I want to see this happen in my life. But it's going to take a people that are willing to stand for it. Repairing cities. Repairing cities. Family of God, let me say this. Too often do I hear when Christians get into trouble, 
The next prayer out of their mind is, oh, please come, Lord Jesus. Why are we doing that? Because we want to get taken out of our problem. I give it to you, Jesus is not coming back until the restoration of all things. Isn't that what Acts says? The restoration of all things spoken from the beginning by all the prophets. From the beginning. So what was the first word? From the beginning. What was the first word that man ever heard? Be fruitful. Multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Take dominion. We think Jesus come, Jesus come, Jesus. Are you in dominion? Are you in authority? Or is Jesus come my escape route? We have to exercise this. And if he said rebuild cities, I give it to you. He meant cities. Heaven cities don't need rebuilding. So what cities do you think he's talking about? Oh, it's spiritual. Don't come with that. I mean, you can try and pull that on any other scripture, but cities, why would he even mention cities if he's talking about something spiritual? No, rebuild cities, family. It is the church's responsibility. When we sit in our cities and we see it broken and run down, oh, the government, and why they don't know, when are they going to fix the pot? When are they going to turn? When are they going to clean up the place? When are they going to clean the city? When are you going to go and clean your city? When are we going to stand up and say, this is our city, we're taking authority, and if the government's too slow on it, let us do it. If we need a hospital, let us build a hospital. If we need a school, let us build a school. We can decide what curriculum is in there, not all this junk and nonsense and PC rubbish. Let's teach the children the true Word of God. Not these little, you know, happy-go-lucky, and I'm not, I, don't know, I mean, like God bless anyone that tries to do any Christian school in their home or in a garage or in a, in a warehouse. I, I thank God they were pioneers like that. But I'm going beyond that. I'm talking about full schools with full sport, with full accreditation. But it's going to take more than a pancake sale to get it done. I don't know about this prosperity stuff. How are you going to build a city? Cities you don't use, you don't even use a million rand budget. Never mind a billion rand budget. You're dealing, what is the budget of the country? That's the level the church should be operating. So those that struggle with million, how are you going to get to billion? Say Billion. Try a trillion. Yeah. See how mine starts. <laughs> you see, family of God, too long, when, when this message was preached, for many years, people have thought it's all just about, you know, Rolls Royces and, and flashy cars and flashy houses and that. No, 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 no. God will give you nice things. The pipe that carries the water is always wet. But it goes beyond that. God wants you to have nice things. You're a king. You heard that this morning. I said you're a king. 
And I heard something once before, I thought that's brilliant. A king riding in a chariot doesn't stop to answer every barking dog. King knows who they are. We're on a mission. I said we're on a mission. So I'm not looking for people that are trying to budget and pay the milk in the morning. I'm speaking to a people that say, that's all taken care of. That is satisfied. I, don't, I know very well that there is, we, we start with people. We all were there. Janine and I were there. We, we were so run down and dead that we couldn't even pay attention. Never mind the next light bulb. But thank God we got enough attention together when our pastor spoke to us. And when he started decreeing and speaking the ways of the kingdom, we made a choice. We're going to follow this. We're going to act like the Bible is true. People ask us, what's, what, how come you're so successful? How come? What's your secret? Simple. Just act like this word is true. That's, that is it. If you see it, do it. If you don't, don't. It's so difficult now that I'm a Christian. Uh-uh. You forget three o'clock in the morning hugging a toilet seat. That's where you came from. Maybe not all of us. But that was the tough life. Why do Christians think this is so difficult? Only because you're considering the alternative. If God says do it, I do it at any cost. I don't even question it. If he said walk on the water, bang, bang, I'm out there. I'm going to walk. Stay with me. Here's some people getting quieter and quieter. We are repairing the city. Cities. I'm looking for city builders. Repairing the desolation of many generations. You're going to demonstrate to this earth the way a kingdom of God child should be living. Verse 5, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. You shall be named the priests of the Lord. A royal priesthood. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you'll have double honor. Instead of confusion, you'll rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in your land, you'll possess double everlasting joy shall be yours. Shall double. Now that's yours. This is what the anointing does. Look at Isaiah 58. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually. Doesn't Jesus say he'll send the Holy Spirit and he'll remind you what you've been taught? He'll teach you all things. He'll show you your future. He'll guide you continually. 
and he'll satisfy your soul in drought, strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you, you shall build the old waste places. You shall build the old waste places. Family of God, I am done with poverty. I'm looking for a people that want to see their suburb, their, their, their town, their village transformed. I'm ready to build old waste places. You'll raise up the foundations of many generations. Raise up the foundations of many generations. You remember when, when, when Jesus gave out the talents, the five talents, the two and the one? Remember the one talent person hid his talent and Jesus confronted him on it? Why, why would you do that? He says, I knew you to be a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. And I always thought, that's strange, because Jesus said you don't reap anything unless you sow a seed. Why would he? Because Jesus didn't correct him on that. He said, you knew me to be a hard man, and you knew I reap where I don't sow. Therefore, you should at least have put my money in the bank. So he didn't correct him. He actually used that as his, so I said, Lord, what are you talking about here? Because you said the only way to reap a harvest is to sow a seed, and God lives by that himself. So how can you reap a harvest where you've not sown? And Jesus said to me, it's not that I didn't sow the seed. Every harvest has to have a seed. But someone sowed their seed, but didn't stay around long enough. So when the harvest came up, I was ready and I reaped it. I, I can get that. That I understand because there are people that have been born again and saved in this church and have heard the word preached and they believed it and they have sown seed. And it didn't come in their opinion at the right time. So they got offended and then walked away. Some have even said, can we have our money back? I'm like, oh, really? It's already in lives. But that's so, you, you, you're sowing seed that you don't realize your harvest is still on its way. So you walked away. But the next person that walked in sat down in a chair someone else sowed seed for. They heard a word from a speaker someone else sowed into. They're sitting in a building they've never paid for. But they're getting the harvest and they got saved on seed they'd never sown. And many of you are sitting here and you put, didn't put anything into this building yet. But you're reaping the harvest of it. So the same way in your life, God looks at the seed you sow. But if you find someone faithful and there's a harvest dangling out there and someone's walked away, God still needs that harvest to come in. He's looking for those that are willing to reap and bring that harvest in. Is there anyone like that here? That's what he's saying. You shall raise up foundations of many generations. All the seeds sown in your family line 
Any granny, any great-grandpa, any, anyone down that has been a prayer, a sower, or whatever, and it hasn't come in as a harvest yet, God is not mocked. But He's looking for a generation that can stand up and reap 300 years of slavery back pay in one day and walk out with all the wealth. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. My time is up. I only got through my introduction. How you can tell, this is going to be an awesome week. How you can receive what the Lord says to you tonight. Come on, stand to your feet. Give Jesus praise. I want to see if we have a generation of promised land possession. Hallelujah. This is not for the faint-hearted. But I believe we have that generation here. Amen. Sometimes there's a shaking. You've got to get out. God says to Abraham, get out from your family. Why? They're holding you back. I need to get you to a place where I can build you. Joseph, they're not, getting, they're not picking up. You, you, I'm, I'm, I, God could have used Joseph to deliver and prepare them wherever he was. But his family wasn't ready for it. Okay, well then I need to get you rolling. Come on, let, let's change your environment. Get to a place where what I put in you can manifest. That's all that was. It was a repositioning so that there wasn't any doubt or unbelief holding you back. That's why you're in this house. Don't sit with doubt and unbelief. People go, ah, oh, that church down there, now that land. Oh, I can't let that in my ear because I know where I'm going. I'd love to be your friend, but we need to change your speech. Because I want to be amongst a generation of giant slayers. Come on, give Jesus praise. Say this, I've heard the word of God. It's brought faith to my heart. I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of the word, I'm also a doer. And I receive the word. I am a repairer of the breach. I'm a restorer of cities and streets. I see multitudes coming to know Jesus. I see multitudes being led in the ways of the kingdom of God. And I am a demonstration of that kingdom. That others will see it, desire it, be drawn to the Father, and come to know Him as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.